solid rock in all that he does. In Jesus' name, we pray this blessing over them, and we pray, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. With all the babies in this church, we'll be doing this about every other week <laughs> for the next year. Um, I, I love baby dedications. I love uh, when parents understand uh, the, the idea that they are stewards of this life that God has given them uh, to raise their child in the ways of the Lord so that when they get older, they do not depart from it. Uh, but we're going to jump into the message now. And if you are joining us for the first time, we are in a series called Reflections. Uh, and the reason why we called it that is because these are a series of verses that I have been reflecting on for uh, the past half a year or so, or the verses that have come up in my devotional time that God has not let me walk away from easily. And so today, uh, we're going to be looking and reflecting on John chapter 8, verse 24. And I'll read it, and then we'll jump in. John chapter 8, verse 24, it says... Jesus says this, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. This is a great passage to reflect on. Um, so what's interesting about this passage is I, I was reading through John, and my prayer in reading through John, you know, a lot of times when I read through a book of the Bible, uh, I like to ask God to open up my eyes to certain topics, and I was, I was reading through John a few months ago, one of the things I asked God to open up my eyes to is I was looking for clear indications in, in the Gospel of John where Jesus preaches the Gospel. Where does Jesus himself preach the Gospel, the good news? And the Gospel is de as defined as belief in Jesus leads to salvation. Where are clear indications that Jesus does this? And I thought when I was reading through John chapter 8 uh, that this is a clear verse that says this. Right? Jesus says, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. But as I dug into it and this chapter, what I found was actually really interesting. And you're going to be taking this interesting journey with me today. Uh, because this, this is a passage where a, a group of Jews believe in Jesus. But then what happens is Jesus exposes their belief as being false belief. And so Jesus starts out early in chapter 8 speaking to the Pharisees. In verse 13, he mentions that he's speaking to the Pharisees. But then at the end of the chapter, what you see in John chapter 8 is that the Jews take up their rocks and try to kill Jesus. And so when I read this, I just assumed that, you know, if you, if you read the Gospels enough, you realize that Jesus loves to troll the Pharisees. It's one of his favorite pastimes. Right? And the Pharisees constantly get upset at him for the things that he would say because he would say things and he would know that they're going to get upset. So as I read this, I thought, okay, this is, you know, Jesus is talking to Pharisees in verse 13. He sees he's addressing them and then at the 8, everybody's trying to kill him. So Jesus is just getting the Pharisees mad again. But what I missed as I was reflecting on this is that there is a change in audience that happens in verse 31. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. And so that's, 
That's what we're going to be kind of dissecting today, is how do a group of Jews go, end up going from believing in Jesus to wanting to kill him at the end of his conversation with them? More importantly, what would Jesus say to us today that would have us going from believing in him to wanting to kill him? How does that happen? Isn't the scripture stating that they believe mean that they were saved? By normal gospel definitions, if you believe you are saved, how can saved people go from believing in Jesus to then wanting to kill their Savior? These are just some interesting questions that I hope today we're going to unravel together. And a quick note is one thing that I've learned is you have to be careful from man-made definitions of words, especially important words in Scripture. So instead, what we want to do is look at scripture-led definitions of words. For instance, the gospel and salvation have a lot of man-made definitions of these words. And so what I want to do is look at what are scripture-led definitions of these words, because I think a lot of man-made definitions that are applied to these words, the gospel and salvation, actually fall apart in this text, which is why it's going to be exciting to read about it. And so I gave you a quick overview, but let me give you some context into what is happening here, and we'll jump into some more scripture. So here we are. Jesus is talking in the beginning of the passage to a group of Jews that also have some Pharisees in it. The dialogue starts in verse 12. We're not going to read it. From verse 12 through 30, Jesus focuses on explaining who he is. He says things like, I am the light of the world. I am sent by my Father. And then in verse 24, what we read, if you believe that I am he, what Jesus was doing in this uh, passage particular is he was using the play on words that he explicitly says at the end of John, where he says, I am the I am. Essentially, he was calling back to the burning bush where Yahweh reveals himself to Moses as the I am. And so Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. I am sent by the Father, but I am really the I am. And so he is explaining who he is. And then in verse 24, this is the crux of the entire passage. He says, believe in me and you will not die in your sins. And so verse 30 ends with saying this, many believed in him. A lot of the Jews that he was speaking to, he tells them who he is. He's the light of the world. He's sent by the Father. He is the I am. And what happens? They believe in him. But then Jesus changed direction. He's not talking to everybody. He essentially then directs the rest of his conversation to those who believe in him. And the rest of the chapter, he speaks to this group and he begins to make two clear distinctions that we're going to talk about. And those two clear distinctions are the difference between slavery and freedom and truth and lies. And in that, Jesus explains what true salvation is. So what makes people going from believing in Jesus to wanting to kill him when he's done talking to them? And that's what we're going to start reading. So we pick up in verse 31, where Jesus now directs his conversation to the Jews who believe in him. And you can read along on the screens here, uh, starting in verse 31. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. I didn't choose this passage because of Abraham today, but it works. And have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. So Jesus, we're going to stop there for now. Jesus says, you must believe, but you must also abide. You must believe, but you must also abide. In verse 24, he says, believe. In verse 31, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. What does abide mean? Abide means to remain and obey. Now, if I was a Pentecostal preacher back in the day, I would say, say this with me, remain and obey. Turn to your neighbor and say, remain and obey. <laughs> right? You must remain and obey for the truth to bring freedom. See, what happens is belief opens the door for you to remain and obey. When you abide, when you remain and obey, knowledge of the truth, knowledge of Jesus, of God, of his love, of your sin will come to you and it will set you free. But the Jews have an issue with this. Their issue is that they don't like the implication that they are slaves. Think about it. Have you ever had somebody just completely insult your culture before? Now, I know in today's day and age, no one has ever had that happen. <laughs> right? I, I, everybody is ready to throw down as soon as somebody insults your culture. You know, go on Twitter whenever it happens publicly. There, there is the outrage culture goes wild, right? Everybody is ready to pretty much fight at the drop of the hat if there, there are triggers at this point. Now, unfortunately, since I'm a white dude, I'm not allowed to get mad when people insult my culture, but that is a different story. All right, that was like, uh, can we laugh at that one? Yeah, you can laugh at that one. But imagine somebody comes in and they just start, you know, insulting where you came from, right? The, you know, I, you can, in, any, any insult you make, you're insulting my people because I have people, I'm Lebanese, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm Polish, and I'm Italian. So I, I got most of the continent covered. And what happens when that happens is, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a your mama joke when you're a kid. Like, you better not be saying this about my mom. You better not be saying this about my people. And this is essentially how the Jews felt. The entire Jewish history revolved around this one thing, God bringing his people out of slavery, right? And the slavery in Egypt, what they had celebrations that we're all about remembering how God brought Israel up out of slavery, out of Egypt. And so here's Jesus talking to Jews saying, you are slaves. And they're saying, wait, 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 what are you talking about? How dare you call us slaves? Our entire history is about how we are no longer a people of slavery because of what our father did in Egypt. 
But what Jesus was talking about was not a physical slavery here. He was talking about a spiritual slavery. When we are captive to our desires and our wants, and what happens? Our mind and our body are not subject to Jesus. They have other masters. When we do not follow Jesus, we are a slave to our sin. This is what Jesus is saying. There is no way we can be saved from them. There is no way to stop them. There is no way to destroy them. The best we can do is hide them. Without Jesus, we are bound in slavery to sin. Now, how do you know if you are a slave to sin? Here are some indicators. My actions are governed by my desires. You ever not want to do something, but you cannot stop the crazy desire to do it? Or maybe some days you think, oh, I'm good. I'm never going to do this again. And then the next day you wake up and you realize I am about to do this again. That is slavery. Right? Slavery is I only do this sometimes, but I still desire it daily. Slavery is I keep on doing the things that I do not want to do. Jesus says that these people are bound up in spiritual slavery. That even though they are free as people, which ironically they weren't, they were under Roman rule at this time, so it's even more ironic that they're getting mad about this. Now, even though they may be able to do what they want as people, they are still a slave spiritually to their desires, to their sinful nature. So that's swipe number one that Jesus takes. Then he takes another swipe at them, starting in verse 39. He says this. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Yeah, that's a nice one. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. That is shots fired right there. Right? He's essentially saying, you speak lies, you follow lies, your father is the chief of lies. Right? If you didn't understand the analogy of truth and freedom, or of slavery and freedom, Jesus gives it another way in terms of truth and lies. Right? He says, Truth brings freedom, lies, they deepen slavery. Truth causes love for me, love for Christ, lies reject who he is. 
But how do you know that your heart has given over, has been given over to the lie? Well, Jesus says, look at what your heart produces. Look at what your heart produces. Jesus sees that they want to kill him. He looks at the character of their heart. And what he does is he calls back to the very beginning of when Cain kills Abel. And he says that was the work of Satan. And if you have murder in your heart towards me right now, then guess what? That murder in your heart calls to your father. Your father was the first murderer. He was the one who wanted murder. And now you want to murder me because you live out the character of your father, the devil. If you have murder in your heart, he says to the Jews, then your heart belongs to the chief murderer, the father of lies, Satan. That's, that's tough. Jesus, he comes at them hard. But what's interesting is this. Then that got, as I was reflecting on this, I started to ask myself, what are the, what are the works of the enemy that my heart are prone to? What are the things that are identified with Satan? What are the things that are identified with the sin nature in my heart? That it, does my character speak to my father as being God, or does my character speak to my father as being Satan, the father of lies? See, Paul in Galatians 5 He's talking about slavery and freedom using the same words that Jesus is. And, and when he's talking about that, he, he says, now you know if you are free and you know if you are a slave because of the works of your flesh. You know by the character of your life, you know by what is produced, the fruit of you, if you are a son of the slave woman, Paul puts it, or the son of the, slave, of the free woman. And these are the ways that he identifies slavery and freedom. In chapter, in, in chapter 5, verse 19, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and if I missed anything, he says, and things like these. <laughs> so if you're like, ah, you know, he didn't say, you know, stabbing somebody, you know, well, things like these. You know, like he didn't, he didn't say I couldn't cut someone off and give him the finger while I'm doing it. Things like these, you know. Things like these, just remember that. Right, so what, what Jesus does is he, he identifies their heart that is producing the fruit that comes from the character of Satan, of the devil. And what Paul here, 
gives us a more expanded list of how can you identify if you are the slave, if your father is the father of lies. Well, look at the character of what your heart produces, of the desires of the fruit of your life, and then look at that and be able to say, well, do I give myself over to Satan? Is he my father or is my father God? If your belief in Jesus, now I want you to remember, because Jesus is speaking to people who believed in him. He changes, he's saying, he directs his commentary now, he directs his conversation to the Jews who believe. So if your belief in Jesus is compatible with what we just read, then you have given yourself over to the lie. If those things do not cause repentance, then you follow the liar. With the capital L. Your father is Satan. Some of you ready to kill me right now. (laughs) See, walking in lies means walking in the character of the liar. It will blind us from the truth. I think the question that we have to ask ourselves if we believe in Jesus is have we given into slavery? Or as Jesus puts it, are we going to die in our sins? See, the liar, the capital L, the liar will tell us that it is not possible to change. But Jesus says that all things are possible. Right? The liar will change the definition of the gospel in our head to keep us away from God, away from abiding. We'll say, all you need to do is believe, but in James it says, even the demons believe and tremble. The liar will cause anger when we hear the truth. Well, that wasn't very nice. These are true complaints. Right? The liar will live out his character in our hearts. This is what he does. He will deceive. He will lie. And what he will do is he will capture us into slavery. And he will put blinders over our eyes so we do not see the destruction that we walk into. See, the question then is, what lies have you believed about yourself? What lies have you believed about Jesus? If there is sin that you have given yourself over to, then there is a lie that you have believed. If there is sin that you have given yourself over to, then there is a lie that you have believed. Is the lie that Jesus doesn't mind? Oh, he'll understand when he sees me. You know, me and Jesus have a special connection. He understands. Mm -mm. Is the lie that Jesus cannot free you? Oh, pastor, I've tried so many times. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried this. I've tried that. And that's the problem is you keep trying. But you haven't let Jesus. 
Is, is that the lie that, that Jesus cannot do it, that somehow you have tried everything in your wheelhouse and it has not produced freedom? And so now the lie comes in, see, I told you Jesus isn't going to free you. See, I told you you're going to live in bondage forever. And so that lie allows you to continue to sin because you have believed that the gospel is not the avenue to freedom. Is the lie that you've repented too many times to repent anymore? I hear this a lot. Justin, I can't repent again. In fact, this is something I've told God before. How can I repent again? God, how can you still love me? Man, I'm telling you, the enemy will eat that up. And he will come in and say he doesn't. He can't. You have... Gone over the quota of grace in your life. You can no longer come to God. His blood cannot cover the depth of your sin. The enemy will trick us. Will twist the gospel. Will twist the words of Christ. Will twist scripture. So that we believe that we have done too much. We cannot come and repent before Jesus. Have you believed the lie that has caused you to stop repenting before Jesus? Have you believed the lie that you don't want to look bad in front of others if you confess? Have you... Believe the lie that it is more important what other people view about you than what Jesus views about you. I'm telling you, as a pastor's kid, I was caught in the prism of perfection my entire life. I could not go to anybody. It wasn't something my parents said to me. It wasn't something that was expected of me. It was just the expectations of the community. This is Bishop Matera's son. He is perfect. You know, I remember parents would tell their kids, like, who is going? Is Justin going? Yes, you can go. And I remember thinking, if you only knew. <laughs> if you only knew. Right? And, but that, that built a prison around me that I could not confess because there was this mask of perfection that could not be shattered in front of people. And what I realized in my day of freedom was that it mattered more what Jesus thought of me on the day of judgment than what a friend or a person thought of me here on earth. See, the lie will come in and it will tell you. They may talk about you. They may gossip about you. You know what I tell the liar when he tells me those things now? Well, that's the sin they're going to have to repent of before Jesus. That's not my problem. That's their problem. That's not my responsibility. That's their responsibility. Is the lie that God can't love you anymore. Man, how often I've spoken with believers and at the root of what they're saying to me of why they have continued in their sin is because they do not believe that God truly loves them anymore. Right? There, there has been a moment 
of clarity, a moment of you have done well and then you have fallen back into something. How can God still love me when I have done this? See, the thing about God's love is it came wide open to who we are, where scripture says that he died while we were still sinners. Wide open to the problem of sin and the nature of mankind. Wide open to who we are. See, if if there was no room for error, then it would be that you receive the gospel, you are saved, and there will never be need for repentance after that because you are perfect. But then why does Scripture allow for confession? Because there is an understanding that we are imperfect. And God still loves us, and he just calls us to repent. See, the difference between a saved sinner and a sinner is the saved sinner knows to repent and go to Jesus, and the sinner doesn't matter, doesn't care. See, is the lie that grace will just cover it and God will understand? Man, this is a lie that has permeated the church in more areas than I can even express right now. That the amount of times that I hear, well, that's fine. That's what grace is for. That's what grace is for. That's what grace is for. That's what grace is for if you have repented and confessed, my friend. But if there is no repentance, if there is no turning away, if there is no confession, then we lock up the doors of grace. In our life. What is the lie. That you have given yourself over to. That has made the character of the devil. And Satan. Compatible with belief in Jesus. What is the lie that has imprisoned your heart. That has said I don't need freedom from this. That I can continue to live the way I live. Where the fruit of my life is more in line with the fruit of Satan. Than it is with God. Because that lie is keeping you from freedom. See, what Jesus lays out here is belief should lead to abiding. To obeying and being with. And abiding will lead to truth. And truth will lead to freedom. See, Jesus' salvation was not just believe that I am God. It was believe in me, remain in me, know the truth from me, and be free in me. See, so often we want to go from straight from belief to freedom, but we do not want to do the hard work of abiding. We just say, well, I believe in Jesus. Why am I not free from all the other things? Well, have you been abiding? Have you been remaining and obeying in Jesus? Have you been present with him every day? Have you begun to be in the presence of the Almighty, of the Holy One every day? Has that been your your sustenance, your bread and your water? Has that been the thing that has kept you? If your walk with God is absent of daily presence with God, it will be absent of freedom in God.
your walk with God is. Belief in them being mad about not having freedom. The question is, have you, did you abide? Did you remain? Did you persevere? Did you run the race? Did you fight the good fight? Did you gear up with the armor of God so that the wiles of the enemy and fiery darts have come and attacked you? Have you put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit? Have you done these things? Have you been with Jesus? Have you remained? See, so many people take this verse out of context where it says the truth will set you free and they just think, There's going to be a random moment where someone speaks truth and it's automatically at that moment going to make you free. But what Jesus says here is first you have to abide. And when you abide in me, what happens? The truth of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus, of who you are in him, of being a son in him, of being a daughter in him, of what slavery to sin is, of of what your nature is like and what Jesus has done on the cross. The truth of the gospel and of salvation The wrath of God and the grace of God, those things begin to come alive in your heart. And that truth will begin to unlock the chains that have shackled your feet and your arms and your body from being free in Jesus. Jesus is saying, believe in me, remain in me. Know me, be free in me. The only way to get to the truth that leads to freedom is first believe in Jesus and abide. He is the cure so that we do not die in our sins. See, many have believed but few have learned to abide. Church, we have to make a commitment to abide. We have to make a commitment to remain, to be present, to obey. And when we wake up, Say, man, my phone may look attractive right now. Social media may look attractive. A show may look attractive. Or I just need to get to work. That cup of coffee is going to look attractive. All these things are going to be pulling on my heart. But Jesus says, abide in me. Man, I have learned that as a church, we have not learned to do the hard work of abiding in Jesus, of every day being present with him, of being filled with the spirit and not being drunk with wine, but being filled with the spirit every single day that it would, he would empower us to walk out the fruit and the character of God, that love, the joy, peace, patience, self-control. Jesus is not calling us just to believe. He calls us to remain and to obey. And when we do that, the powerful truth of who he is, of what the scriptures proclaim, 
will hit our hearts. And we will begin to see freedom after freedom after freedom after freedom. Can you stand with me? Father, I thank you that you call us to abide. To be with you. That you will change our life. All the things that we struggle with, the things that remain shackles over our arms and our feet. God, you say you have given us the keys to freedom and that is presence with you. Teach us to be present with you. God, that we would be a church not just of believers, but, Father, of people that every day daily walk in presence with Jesus, are daily filled with your Spirit, and empowered to walk out your fruit. That our life would speak to our Father being the true Father. The one who gives freedom, joy, peace, patience, kindness. 